Friday, January 14th, 2022. And the plan is for this podcast to have a show every Friday, starting right now. In today's show, I'll share with you briefly my reaction to LD-344, the Equal Rights Amendment that the Maine Legislature will take up this session, and also give you an update on Plan B for affordable housing in Cape Elizabeth. First, I just want to ask you, please, to subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or SoundCloud, wherever you listen to podcasts, to keep up, and rate the podcast if you would. You can find this podcast as well as other content at syndicatemedia.net. That's syndicatemedia with a C, dot net. Okay, the ERA, or Equal Rights Amendment, has been kicking around Maine for about 50 years. You might have seen Bill Nemitz's article about the legislation proposed by Lois Reckett, who is a South Portland representative. Uh, She's been working for a long time to get the Equal Rights Amendment passed at the state level. The resolution proposes to amend the Constitution of Maine to prohibit the denial of equal rights on the basis of the sex of an individual. And, you know, normally I would say right on, but I must say uh, this... This timing raises some questions in my mind about what what actually would occur. I guess, I guess because now that gender and sex is somewhat optional, uh, people can choose to transgender and undergo uh, what I consider to be somewhat medical violence, but what they consider to be treatment to um, change their sex and they can actually petition the probate court in Maine to change the birth certificate uh, to reflect what Lambda anyways just describes as the proper sex and that's I have that's fine with me but I guess to me then the question isn't so much discrimination on the basis of sex because sex I don't know is it any longer a uh, protected class when you can opt in. But I guess that the, the larger question in my mind is, do, do you have a right to be a woman? Because in Maine, in order to have your birth certificate changed, you have to have a certi- uh, an order from the probate court and probate judges are elected. So it seems like there could be uh, different decisions about whether or not to alter one's birth certificate. And that will, in my view, raise a more important question than the Equal Rights Amendment because I do believe there are protections for discrimination on the basis of sex. That's my profession. I know, in fact, there are a lot of statutes (laughs) that protect against sex discrimination. So a constitutional amendment wouldn't change people's day-to-day lives, but it raises this, I think, broader question as to whether or not somebody has a right to be a woman. I'd love to know your thoughts. Uh, You can leave a comment at the website or um, online. You can follow me on Twitter at Dill Esquire, D-I-L-L-E-S-Q-U-I-R-E. Something to talk about. Um, We'll see whether what the ERA, Equal Rights Amendment, is going to pass finally in Maine after all these years. At the federal level, it's stalled. And frankly, uh, like I said, it's like not even close to being a priority, Uh, similar to the voting rights that the Democrats are 
uh, hysterical about. I, I really don't know if that's an issue that's going to resonate as, as much with suburban voters, at least, as the Democrats think it might. Um, the voting rights law that they hope to pass would impose pretty severe restrictions on small towns. I mean, it would the state would have to guarantee that no one has to vote, no one has to wait in line for more than 30 minutes, that there's voting on the weekends and at night. Uh, just, just a lot of things imposed on small towns that for a lot of people already do a really good job. And I think the reason why some people are skeptical of this push to change so radically, or at least what appears to be somewhat radically, uh, impose federal regulations on towns and states about elections is because the Democrats just won all. I mean, they just won the White House and the House of Representatives is democratically controlled as well, you know, in the Senate, at least with Kamala Harris breaking a tie. So it's, um, so they won, they won in Georgia, we, they, and I just don't know if people are going to be as disappointed that the voting rights didn't pass as they are frustrated with COVID. So my advice to elected officials is to forget about the Equal Rights Amendment, forget about, uh, you know, the voting protections that, you know, we, at least a lot of us already feel that we have, and move on to more important things like the economy, inflation, and really, let's get right to the affordable housing so-called crisis that I want to now switch to, because in Cape Elizabeth, as you know, there's ongoing discussion about affordable housing because a private developer proposed a huge building in the middle of town that would have completely gutted the zoning ordinance as well as the comprehensive plan. And by that, I mean Cape Elizabeth just finished a huge comprehensive plan to kind of develop the downtown to make it a village style feel. And one of the requirements is that there be retail on the first floor of these new buildings that are built. And Dunham Court, the low-income housing project, gutted that. They were going up. It was just going to be a gigantic building with a gigantic parking lot that would have taken over the public skating rink. And more importantly, house, like, you know, 95% of the people who live there would have to be low-income, like, or very low-income. And so it's low-income housing. And so instead of talking about poverty, uh, the discussion really focused on whether or not Cape Elizabeth, you know, residents are snotty and don't want poor people to live in town. And I think that what we have to do now that we were successful in, you know, putting the microscope on Dunham Court and they forfeited. Okay, they walked away. We're still going to have a referendum on the, the zoning ordinance, but the developer walked so now the question is, what are we going to talk about until the election in November where we're still going to vote on these affordable housing amendments? And I think the narrative should be Plan B. And Plan B is, well, as I've discussed earlier, it's going to be a second and final petition brought by citizens, residents of Cape Elizabeth. I'm leading the effort. I've drafted the petition. It would be pursuant to the charter that allows for 10% of registered voters to sign a petition to enact a zoning amendment, and in this case, the zoning amendment is quite simple. Uh, we would amend Cape Elizabeth's zoning ordinance, which is um, 
just one of the ordinances in Cape Elizabeth, you can get it on the website, and add a definition of community housing that would be defined as this. Community housing is multiplex housing, which is also defined, located on town-owned land for occupancy by tenants with low income and or moderate income, and then amend that section of the zoning law that lists allowable residential uses in the RA, Residential A District. And the, the reason is because Gullcrest and the Old Town Farm, uh, at least part of the Old Town Farm, is located in the RA zone, and community housing, the project, would be on Gullcrest. And so the petition uh, would need to be signed by about 900 Cape Elizabeth residents, and ideally the amendment would be put on the ballot at the same time that voters are going to be asked to weigh in on the zoning amendment that Dunham Court, the developer, had requested. And so Plan B um, is a pronouncement It gives Cape Elizabeth residents an opportunity to vote for an affordable housing project that's responsible in a lot of ways. And and I think the biggest thing for me is that we can't talk about these projects without actually talking about the, you know, the low-income portion of the equation. Because when you're talking about government making money and resources available to help underprivileged people, that's one of the fundamental functions of government, right, is the general welfare, is to assist the needy uh, and, you know, and to, and to obviously enforce laws fairly. So it's the government's job to provide for the general welfare. And if there are substantial numbers of impoverished people who need shelter, who need housing, um, certainly there's the moral case for the citizens of Cape Elizabeth to to provide it. But in the first instance, when Dunham Court was proposing to change our zoning laws to enable the creation of Dunham Court, that would have been a strictly private enterprise. The town would pay for it, but the private developer would own the property, would manage the program, meaning would, you know, manage the building. We wouldn't have any say on, you know, who could live there or, or or really anything, we would completely lose control as a town and as a government. And I just think it's not reasonable to expect a for-profit corporation to provide for the general welfare. And so uh, if you believe, like I do, that government's role in providing for the general welfare includes opportunities for people to to experience social mobility. I mean, that's that's the American dream. That's what we're striving for, is to have people rise up out of poverty, not provide incentives for people to remain in poverty, which is what these high-rise, low-income housing projects essentially do. They create incentives on the part of developers to make low-income housing, because that's the way they get the most bang for their buck with all the low-income tax credits and government funding. And then there's an incentive on the tenant's part to not make more than the cap because then they won't be eligible for the housing and it's just all the wrong incentives and the and the buildings themselves are designed to maximize the number of units so that the developer makes money instead of providing the optimal living experience and living opportunities 
for the tenants. And so in Cape Elizabeth, if you believe like I do, that what we have to offer society is a school system and open space and, and the opportunities that we want to provide are for families to come into town from other places because we're not building low-income housing for the people of Cape Elizabeth. That's should be perfectly obvious to people because Cape Elizabeth is one of the wealthiest towns in Maine. We have an average income, household income of $123,000. That's more than twice of what the income threshold would be for Dunham Court. So creating low-income housing in Cape Elizabeth is not something for the existing residents. It would be our effort to provide housing opportunities to welcome disadvantaged as well as house disadvantaged people in Cape Elizabeth. But the idea is to give opportunities, and why not give opportunities that would give the biggest bang for our buck. Our investment of public dollars should be in families and kids because that's what rises <laughs> the level of of you know standard of living for for communities and families. And so what we want to do is have a public-private partnership. There would be the development of community housing on land that was left to the town specifically by Thomas Jordan and his wife in 1825. They left about 225 acres. 150 of those acres are on the western side of Spurwink Avenue and described as the town farm. That land is not available for low-income housing because there's a conservation easement held by the Cape Elizabeth Land Trust. So on the other side of the street, in the Gullcrest property, that lot, that parcel that houses the community gardens, all the cross-country ski trails, um, the recycling center, the transfer station, it's one of the most popular places in town. It's it's beautiful. There's a, You can walk from Gullcrest on a Greenbelt trail to the schools really easily. So for families, it's an ideal location. It's right near the, um, you know, big playing fields. Uh, it's it it's a great location. And part of Gullcrest includes land that was donated for the specific pur- purpose of helping indigent people. And it was left in trust forever for the poor. This is the language from the trust documents. And so um, there's the moral argument you know, to to not abdicate the government's role in addressing the care of underprivileged people in our communities. We can't count on corporations, and we shouldn't abdicate that responsibility to corporations and expect a good outcome. Community housing would enable Cape Elizabeth to continue to own the land, lease the land to a private developer. We would put out an RFP for a developer to build multiplex housing on that portion of Gullcrest that the town council deems most suitable. The intent of the petition is to put the housing on the land that was left by Thomas Jordan that's included in the Gullcrest parcel, but the petition itself allows for the creation of community housing um, on town-owned land in the RA district. Now, the reason why we know it would be in Gullcrest using this petition is because the only lot that's big enough because the minimum lot size for community housing is 10 acres. So the only town-owned lot that has 10 acres in the resident A zone is Gullcrest. So the, so the petition, the intent of the petition is to build the community housing 
on that section of the land that was left by Thomas Jordan. But in fact, the petition allows it anywhere on Gullcrest. So if the town council has to have part of the lot, you know, on the Thomas Jordan farm, there's some flexibility. And this is not a mandate. This is simply an invitation by the citizens of Cape Elizabeth to the town council to consider and put out an RFP for community housing and the fiscal case for it, in addition to the moral case, is that instead of financing the acquisition of property, which we would have done in the case of Dunham Court that we were asked to do with a TIF as well as um, publicly backed loans, instead of financing the acquisition of very expensive real estate on the town center, which is what Dunham Court proposed to do, the town's contribution would be the lease of the land for a very reasonable rate. We could lease it for $1, right? $1 per year for 30 years. So it, we already own the land. So it's 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 fiscally and morally, huh, I think, responsible. Um, and the other thing is we, we pay in Cape Elizabeth for these blue ribbon schools, okay? We, uh, we serve the greater good by processing more kids through our system. <laughs> so, you know, we're banking on giving people a foundation and an opportunity for an education to experience life in a town with a lot of open space, and that's what community housing would do as opposed to one of these tenements that jams in one-bedroom apartments for very low-income people, not for the workforce, not for families. So there's the moral case, the fiscal case, and then the political case for it is that this petition will allow the supporters of Dunham Court as well as opponents of Dunham Court to agree on one thing. I mean, if you support the development of low-income housing on the town square, I don't know why you would object to the development of low-income housing at Gullcrest, right? I mean, so so people can come together around this idea. And again, we can change the narrative because the media has described our community as somehow NIMBY, you know, that we're... Um, racist. I've been accused of being racist for being opposed to Dunham Court, and nothing could be further from the truth. I have a lifetime of work towards protecting and advocating for civil rights, including including like several race discrimination cases. So there's there's a real opportunity here to change the narrative and have an opportunity for citizens to vote for something positive and inclusive and and do something really special, lead by example, show the state that is considering legislation uh, to address what they call a housing crisis, what some people cause, you know, call a, a housing demand. And I want Cape Elizabeth's response to be not only creative, innovative, um, morally and fiscally responsible, uh, but good for kids. You know, I, I, I want there to be, you know, an emphasis that this is about, this is about providing opportunities for kids. And that's, and there's nothing wrong with that. And we should, as a community, have the right to make it about kids. And, and kids would do better <laughs> in community housing than they would in uh, the alternative proposal that is done in court. So, I hope everybody stays tuned. The, the reaction to the Plan B has been really good. I have key people on board. Um, I have the petition drafted. Uh, I'm going to present 
the ideas to the town council, keep everybody on board. This is no secret. This is no, I'm hoping to get a lot of support. And ideally, if the town council is so compelled to act on its own and um, vote for plan B without a petition, that's great. But if not, I hope to convince some councilors to at least support it and, um, and stay tuned. And that's it for this week's show. Please, again, if you would subscribe, leave a comment. And until next time, this is Cynthia Taylor signing off. Take care.